Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Conversations for All. This is episode 17, season 2. Today's hidden figure is Sylvia Rivera, 1951 to 2002. She was a civil rights pioneer who fought tirelessly against the exclusion of transgender people from the Sexual Orientation Non-Discrimination Act in New York. Ms. Rivera had a persistent voice for the rights of people of color and low-income queer and transgender humans. The Sylvia Rivera Law Project works to continue Ms. Rivera's work by centralizing issues of system, systemic poverty and racism while prioritizing the struggle of queer and trans humans facing multifaceted discrimination. There are so many misconceptions regarding transgender humans, and as we all know, fear leads to discrimination, which can ultimately lead to hate. With us today, we have Mena, they, them, artists, trans, activists, and educator. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it so much. So, yeah, so um... I'm really excited to talk about some um, misconceptions about trans people. Um, but first, I just like want to give a little, um, I guess, trans one-on-one for people who are listening that maybe have never spoken to or really um, heard much about trans people. Sure. Please do. Uh, so, you know, everybody has a gender, and um, some people might not really think about their gender so much, or maybe, you know, it's just something you do every day, um, and it's kind of you align with um, what society thought about you, so it just feels natural and, and you go through life, you know, maybe not thinking about it too much. Um, but for some people, their gender feels really incongruent from what society expects from them when they're born. And so um, that can cause um, some internal conflict. Um, and, um, and for a lot of trans people, it does. Uh, so. I, I think that, like the best way for me to like explain some things is to like talk about my own experience. And so when I was a kid, um, I was born and they said, Hey, it's a girl. Um, and, um, I was living life, um, dressing like a girl and, and calling myself a girl. Um, but when I got to puberty, uh, I started feeling really like uncomfortable with my body and, um, you know, it just didn't feel right for me, um, to use the word girl sometimes. But I went to Catholic school, and um, I had never heard the word transgender. I didn't know that transgender people existed. Um, and so I didn't ever really understand what it was that I was dealing with. Um, but as soon as I got to college, uh, I met my first girlfriend, uh, and she identified as genderqueer. And she told me that there were people who lived outside of the gender binary, this you know male-female dichotomy, uh, that... Um, maybe didn't, their, the way that they felt inside didn't align with um, the way society expected them to act and look because of their bodies. Uh, and that was really eye-opening for me uh, and kind of amazing. It was like, you know, an epiphany. Uh, I remember, like, just running up and down the hallways of, like, the dorm and, like, being excited about the fact that I could express myself in a way that um, felt more authentic to me. And so um, after that, I started binding almost right away, which meant I was using uh, a compression vest on my chest to, to press it down. 
so that um, it looked and, and felt flat. Um, and I did this because every time I looked in the mirror, um, whether I had just gotten out of the shower or when I was getting dressed, uh, I felt like really sick almost to my stomach. I would get really bad anxiety um, and it just like didn't feel right. Um, and it was hard for me to go out in public and constantly be seen as a woman um, and because of my chest, it was impossible for people not to. Um, so I started binding, and at the time I was 19, I had come out. Um, I was using the word gender fucked <laughs> because I said fuck gender. I don't want it. Um, but that was really hard for people to understand. People didn't understand that at all. And there really weren't many words that people were using in the trans community other than the word transgender. So the word transgender itself means that you identify outside of the way that society assigned you okay. at birth. And, yeah. uh, and that's, that's me. Um, but I'm also non-binary. So while I didn't feel like a girl, I really didn't feel like a boy either. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really confusing, especially because 13 years ago, there was no information about being trans. Um, so it took me a really long time to find the right words to, that I use for myself. Um, I didn't start using the word non-binary until I met my, my partner, Sam, who also uses non-binary and told me, Hey, there are people that are, you know, not just cisgender who identify the way they were assigned at birth and not just transgender who identify maybe like the opposite, but also people non-binary who are somewhere in between or outside of that. Um, and for me that, that felt like finally like something authentic and, you know, I, once I had started uh, taking testosterone after um, around like age 24 to try to get rid of some of the other uh, body dysphoria I had. So gender dysphoria is that thing I was describing when I looked in the mirror and I saw my chest, um, that's gender dysphoria. Um, it made, you know, that I, I had so much physical and emotional pain over, over seeing my body the way that it didn't match in my mind. And so I started taking testosterone because uh, my voice was also very high pitched and that was a huge uh, source of dysphoria for me. I would like hear my own laugh and like cringe in my head and, and tell myself, Meta, don't, don't laugh because you sound horrible. Hmm. Um, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, and testosterone was one of the first things that happened was my voice dropped and that was really, um, really amazing for me to be able to like enjoy my, the sound of my own voice sure. and, and not hmm. be that by Okay. It also, um, you, so your body fat redistributes if you take testosterone and, you know, you previously had estrogen in your body. And so a lot of the weight and, and, uh, my curves, um, kind of slimmed down. Um, and that was also, um, very like gender euphoric for me, which is kind of the opposite of gender dysphoria. Um, and so around 2016, I, I finally was able to have top surgery. I've been binding for 10 years. Um, I actually, I, um, have some like damage to my chest that I caused from binding for so long, but also from binding improperly because when I came out, there was no information on really on how to bind properly. So now when I educate, I always, um, you know, try to tell people if you're going to bind, make sure you're doing it safely by wearing the correct size, by taking, you know, 15 minute breaks throughout the day, by doing deep breathing exercises, by not wearing it more than six hours, by never wearing it when you work out or when you sleep. Okay. Uh, those were all things that I did not, that I did not do because I okay. did not know. Right, um, right. You know? So, I mean, that's important. Um, 
if any, if any trans people out there are listening and, and they bind, you know, to take care of your body and respect it because at one point it's going to be easier to live in your body and, and you know, you want to make sure that you've always been showing it love. Yeah. So, um, so uh, I was only able to do that in 2015 because New York State passed a law that transgender-related care would be covered by, by Medicaid, which um, I had New York State Medicaid. Um, and so I was able to afford it because it's a, a $10,000 surgery. Um, so that was life-changing for me. I, I woke up and I was just laughing and so happy. Um, and I'm coming up on, on uh, five years now. And it, it really just changed my life for me to be able to throw on a shirt and walk out of my house without overthinking how people were going to perceive me and, and what kind of stress that was going to cause me throughout the day. Right. Uh, Sounds so, very freeing in that moment. Yes, so free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm exactly where I want to be now with my body. I love it. I'm so happy in it. Um, you know, I look at myself in the mirror and I'm, I'm not filled with a bunch of negative thoughts. Um, and it's, it's incredible. Uh, and uh, so, the old, uh, you know, going back to pronouns, when I first started taking testosterone, people just started using he had pronouns for me. Um, it was kind of like automatic, especially once I got the facial hair. Um, and, you know, at first it felt kind of good. Uh, but once I started passing as masculine, which is what some people will say when people perceive you as masculine, so once other people started perceiving me as a man, um, I started getting a lot of privilege that I had never had before as someone who was previously seen as a woman. Um, and it was kind of um, jarring for me as someone who had always considered themselves a feminist and like right. connected to that part of womanhood kind of like now that I'm like comfortable with my body sometimes I can say that I sometimes feel more like a woman or that my like my heart feels like it's a woman's heart like you know that's part of me um you know I'm very gender fluid in that way um but at the um you know it was really upsetting for me that now you know women felt scared by me like I always tell the story when I teach I was in in a grocery store and there was a woman with her child in a in a baby um stroller and mm-hmm. she was playing with a toy and like waving it in my face and I looked at the mother and I was like oh she's so cute how old is she and the woman just turned around and left really? um, and it took me a second to realize that she was just reading me as some strange guy in the grocery store and you know she didn't want mm-hmm. that wow but if I was a woman we probably would have had a nice conversation and then just right. went on, you know right. on a day so um that was a really eye-opening experience for me. And then also just the way people treated me. I got better service, especially if I was already paying for something. Uh, people held doors for me, called me sir. Uh, everything was faster. You know, it was it was really upsetting because I knew that sexism existed, but I didn't realize the extent to which it existed. Wow. Uh, but there's also a big caveat to this. It's that for me, this was my experience as a white trans masculine person. Uh, but from uh, for many of my friends of color, that's not the experience that they had. Mm. Um, yeah. And um, it didn't come with privilege. It came with more, um, you know. More of a disadvantage. More it, discrimination. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, including friends who constantly get stopped by police and now fear for their lives. Uh, right. Absolutely. Because they're seen as a threat. Right. 
sorry. It's like <laughs> I've heard a lot of stories from my friends, and um, I just really, with everything that's going on, like I worry about them all the time. Understandable. Uh, exactly. Absolutely understandable. Um, you know, this is a, a very trying time, and we were talking about this prior to uh, recording. Um, non-humans are feeling very free in showing the hate. Yep. Um, and they are saying and doing things that were once hidden in the dark. We knew it existed, but uh, they took the time to hide it, and now they have taken their hoods off, and they are yeah. openly um, showing the hate in their behavior. Yeah. And one of the things that is very concerning to us is uh, the level of consequence that needs to go along with this and the accountability that needs to um, go along with this, the checking, if you will. Um, and if we need to make examples of people, then we need to do this because um, it is escalating. You, you know, and to that point, and, uh, you know, I want you to weigh in on this as well. To that point, I believe that it shouldn't even be an example. It should be if you do A, you get B. Like, it's not even making, you know, using the term of making an example. I know exactly uh, what you mean by that. And just to make it clear to the listening audience, it should be, okay, this is normal. If you uh, murder someone, you're going to jail. Yes, right. it, right. you know, right. just like it is for anyone, anyone else, anyone mm -hmm. else, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. So it should be like, you're not being made an example of, this is what you did and this is what you get. Right, so, it, should, it should be that way. Uh, the yeah. unfortunate thing is we've seen historically that um, hate crimes uh, are not taken as seriously. Um, we'll go through the motions of, of holding the trials and so forth. And uh, historically, we've seen uh, the perpetrator kind of laugh, knowing that it would not stick, knowing that they would find freedom when they heard that gavel hit. Yeah. Um, and this has been the trend, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, this has been the way that this country was built. You know, whether it's for uh, the transgender, non-binary, uh, black and brown, it, it has all the foundation uh, being held up by that document that we've discussed so many times, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, is, it's the way, it's the foundation of the country, which is why so many people just think it's the norm. And if you do anything against the norm, as we discussed in a previous conversation, you're making trouble, you're making waves, and why would you do that? Everything's just fine. Yes. We're, we're destroying traditional family roles. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah, we had a politician say once, uh, somewhere from the Midwest, in a speech that, you know, transgender people are the reason for mass shootings in, the, in, the, in this country, basically. Wow. wow. And I, I, I'm not going to lie, I called the office very upset and left a long message about 
how much it hurts when you fight every day, you know, for your community, and then you hear someone who has that much power saying such a, a horrendous lie. Right. You know, right. To, to the people. So. Yeah. Well, Mina, I I have I haven't known you that long, obviously, but um, in your introduction, it was mentioned that you're an educator as well, and yeah. that I feel is so important in order to educate people not only you know we educate on the the true history of the country but also about everything else that goes along with it that makes this country actually great the 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 type of uh i think we like to call it a salad because it's so many things mixed in um and if someone's willing to listen that educating people is important can you kind of recall a time where you educated someone uh that was walking in the dark and and you were able to enlighten them and they they left the session uh feeling differently than when they came in oh yeah i mean that's that's why i do this because Mm -hmm. there are so many people that that tell me that uh you know that they've either changed the way they think about trans people or you know, that they're trans themselves and that I somehow helped them. And, and that is, for me, like, one of the most rewarding things. You know, I, I feel best after I've given, like, a four-hour training and, and then it had really great conversations with, you know, the entire cisgender room. And, and everyone's been talking about their own gender and the way they were raised. And, you know, we have one guy who was raised with all women, another guy who only had brothers, and a woman who's a tomboy. And, and even though none, none of the people in the room identify as transgender, that that four hours of talking about gender and, and that introspective, like thinking about, okay, how was I raised? How do I see what man and woman means? Like who, who told me what that is? Does the media affect the way I think about these things? Like how do I express my own gender? Um, you know, people might not think about that, but I think when, when they, when they take that time to say, to listen to, the, to themselves and then also to the people in the room and see how all of these men and women have totally different experiences of gender. Um, I think it really, like, not only humanizes transgender people, but helps them to understand that, you know, we're the same, you know? We just Absolutely. have different experiences. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. very different experiences. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Can you um, clarify some of the common misconceptions that people have regarding the transgender human population? Yes. So, um, so one of the, the, I think, biggest misconceptions is that, um, that gender is binary and that sex is binary um, and that, you know, trans people are just binary. And that's not true. There are people who might identify as transsexual or maybe they don't use that word, but what they, they which way they were assigned at birth, they identify as the exact opposite, and they may or may not want to change their bodies to achieve that. Um, But then there's such a large other spectrum of transgender people um, who identify in totally different ways. So the best way to find out what trans means to a person is to just get to know them. Um, And also, you know, many people think that sex is a binary, um, but it's actually not. Your your sex is made up of uh, five different things, and if one of those things changes, then your body might not be completely male or female. And for one in every 1,500 births, um, that's the case. And we, we call that intersex. Intersex isn't just, it's not like a third of sex. Um, it's a whole range of different um, 
there's different bodies in that. There are people um, with you know different chromosome uh, combinations. Um, there are people who uh, maybe have both internal and external genitalia of both sexes. Um, there's there's a lot of different ways to be intersex. So most people think that we are you know even sex is binary, but that's not true. Um, it's just that it's much easier to classify uh, the you know humans as binary. And, it's you know been done for so many years, but if you talk to a geneticist, if you talk to a biologist, you know they'll say no, it's it's not. Mm-hmm. And so, um, just the thing about intersex folks is that they don't get talked about often. Um, you know, there's no education on intersex conditions, and so when people are born intersex, often uh, doctors will decide uh, that they want to assign a sex to the baby and perform unnecessary surgeries that. Um, can be really damaging to, to intersex uh, children and then adults. So um, if a child is born intersex and they have um, an issue with their urethra, then of course they might need a surgery to fix that. But no cosmetic um, surgery should be done to intersex children. And unfortunately, parents don't actually really know much about this. So oftentimes the doctor will just say, this is what's best. Uh, but there have been many documented cases where say, a uh, child is born and their phallus isn't like as big as it should be so the doctor will decide that they want to remove it yes. and then later the child will grow up and say I'm a man what's going on and have to transition to feel better so um, I just want to like sorry, spend a minute on that just because it's so important for people to get educated on intersex rights um, right. and it, if they can uh, be vocal about like ending the laws that allow doctors to perform these surgeries on babies right um, right so um, another uh, misconception is that people are going to want a full medical transition if they're trans. Uh, and that's not the case. Some people want to medically transition. Others just want to socially transition or legally transition, like change the way that they dress and act, uh, change their name on their paperwork. Um, people are going to medically transition if they have body dysphoria, gender dysphoria, like I did. Um, but not all trans people have dysphoria, and that's another misconception. You know, the, the definition of trans is basically just identifying outside the way you're assigned at birth. That doesn't mean you don't have to hate your body. Not every trans person person hates their body. Okay. Um, uh, another misconception is that you always knew you were trans, but just like I didn't really know until I was 19 and really didn't know myself really until I was 28, um, whether you know is going to depend a lot about the words that you have access to, the communities that you're in, um, right. if you're allowed to express your gender at all. I mean, I knew a woman who didn't come out until her 40s because as soon as she expressed femininity in her childhood, her parents shut her down and said, no, you're a boy. You can only do boy things. And she just pushed that away until she was in her 40s. So, you know, when you come out as trans is not important. Um, you should never question, like, oh, how did you not know this earlier? You know? Right. Um, Another misconception is that we're all gay uh, because we're in the LGBT community. That's not true. Some trans people are straight. Um, there are straight trans men and straight trans women. There are gay trans women, gay trans men, gay non-binary people, straight non-binary people. So, um, you know, it's up to them. And, you know, the best way to do that, like I said, also about the genders, just to get to know them, you know. Um, also, another misconception is that uh, your assumptions of, of people are usually accurate, but especially with trans people, your assumptions about their gender, you know, based on the clues you're picking up on how their body or how they're dressed might not be accurate. So it's best not to make assumptions about um, people and their bodies, of course. Right. 
Thank you. Uh, for that. Thank you. One, hmm. one more thing I want to sure. add. Uh, I'm realizing now how much I say um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, please. It's fine. That people often think that they're not allowed to make mistakes when they talk to trans people. Um, but that's a, a big misconception. Everybody makes mistakes, and it's okay to make mistakes, especially with pronouns. I, I never said why I use they, them pronouns, because I got sidetracked. But because I got all of that male privilege, and it felt so horrible to me, when I heard the word he, when someone referring to, to me, it felt just as wrong as if someone called me she. And so Sam, my partner, was using they, them pronouns, and I you know, asked them to try it out for me. And when they used the word they to describe me, I didn't feel that icky body dysphoria feeling from the word she, and I didn't feel that icky male privilege that I don't want or deserve from he, and so it just felt right. So that's why some people might use pronouns other than he or she. It's really about what feels good when someone talks about you. So, okay, in your case, it would be, you know, like, I'm not one or the other, I'm a combination, basically, and whatever feels good when someone is referring to you, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, so uh, I think that words like they have a lot of power and they have, you know, a lot of um, preconceived ideas and misconceptions that like come with those words when people use them for you. Mm-hmm. So for me, it just feels really authentic to not be stuck into one of those two binary boxes. Got it. Got it. Even though sometimes I do feel more feminine or more masculine, you know, some days I want to wear a dress, maybe some days I want to wear, most days I want to wear pants. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it just feels, it always feels right if someone just uses the word they. And you would just use it, you know, we use they singular all the time. Uh, they left their phone in the taxi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know where they went? Is this their coffee? Like, it's really common. I think people just get hung up on it because they might not be used to using that for, a, you know, a specific person. Right. But, yeah. but it's, you know, Shakespeare used it. So if it was good enough for Shakespeare, <laughs> they were the days good enough for me. Well, you know, yeah. um, not unlike many of the uh, discriminatory things that we've been taught, we've been trained to speak a certain way. We've been trained to address people a certain way. Um, and I think what you're saying, Mena, is part of that. You know, we have been trained a certain way and and told not to stray from the norm or what was deemed to be the norm. And I think that's why it's so confusing to many people right now, how they don't understand. But it's also really freeing, I think, for cisgender people who might not be trans to, to you know, step outside of those roles and, yes. and look at yes. gender a little more critically because, you know, um, especially like children, children should be able to express their gender and just like express themselves. It's not even gender, to be honest. You know, yeah. a lot of kids, they play with everything because they haven't been conditioned exactly. to think exactly. this is a boy toy, this is a girl toy. You know, if they didn't have all this media telling them what to consume and they were just giving toys, they would just play with them. So, and, but it's the same thing with clothes. They, mm-hmm. they can't understand the concept that clothes have gender at that age. So it's really common for boys. Like my brother used to put on heels, my mom's heels, and like her put a purse on in like one of my dresses and walk around the house he is like the most masculine person you will ever meet Mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. was a kid and he was 
was just having fun. So, you know, some, a child like playing with gender doesn't necessarily mean they're trans. It just means they're a child. But I think right. that if you put limitations on children when, they, when they're just playing at that age, not only can it hurt their development as a person, but also uh, it puts them in a box for the rest of their life. You know, mm-hmm. how many famous sure. fashion designers are straight cisgender men? Right. You know? And right. would we have them if they were told that they couldn't play with the sewing machine, you know? You know what I mean? So I think that it, it helps everyone to not limit people in, as far as the gender binary, you know? It, it, especially women who, who, might identify, who might be, like, more tomboyish or, like, right. want short hair yeah. or want to always wear pants, you know? Like, yeah, they're women, and their identity is valid, too. And when you, when you try to, like, put rules on people's bodies, like, for example... Right bathroom bills that happened in North Carolina, mm-hmm. the people that were actually most hurt by that were women that, that presented more masculine because yeah. they were being pulled aside in bathrooms and being told that they didn't belong there and asking you know inappropriate questions about their body because when you start to police bodies, you're policing everybody. Yeah. Right, right. And Mena, I'm going to share something uh, personal, which I usually don't do on our episodes, but um, being female, I or that's how I identify, I do a lot of things that are considered considered to be things that males do. Like, I still like to play sports. I do a lot of household renovations and, and things of that type. And I have been told in... Um, Many times, hey, you're you're doing all of this man stuff, right? So, and I, human abs- right. I human absolutely, thing. I absolutely <laughs> hate it when someone says something like that to me because I feel like I'm doing what I can do, what I learned how to do, what I enjoy doing, and then someone slaps a label on it, and then it makes it kind of, like, dirty, and, you know, the way that they talk about it, so I totally... Uh, get some of the things that you're saying. So I'm glad we're definitely having this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I hear that from so many women in, in the trainings that I get because it's just the fact is that humans are more alike than they are different. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. Whether you're male, whether you're, here, female, here. Whether you're trans, whether you're non binary. Yes. You are more like any other human than not. And we separate ourselves in these categories, and I think it really just hurts us. And, you know, especially now with all of these anti-trans bills that are coming out, um, you know, again, you're policing women's bodies now. So Mm -hmm. there's all these, like, anti-trans women in sports bills. And, yes, it's an attack on trans, you know, women and trans kids mostly. Like, these are not competitive levels. A lot of them are are trying to ban it in, you know, middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. These kids just want to play, you know, or feel comfortable. Um, you know, they're not, they're not causing any disadvantages. They're not, you know, in like championship professional athletes, like all of those professional athletes, there are rules for that. But like, you know, it's, um, the, the thing is, in addition to policing trans bodies, now you're giving people the permission to like get information about every woman's body in that sport, because now you have to, you know, confirm you know, there's some sports were saying that they would have to check the, the genitals of the child. What? If I had to confirm they're a girl. I mean, that is ridiculous. That's outrageous. Yeah. 
that is outrageous. Well, you know, they've been trying to control women's bodies for the longest time, and, and this is simply a roundabout way of attempting to do that yet again. Um, yeah. But while we're on the topic of laws, uh, Mena, can you tell us what is happening with these laws that seem to target trans youth, particularly this law that's happening, well, that's attempting to happen in Texas? Are you yeah, aware of so- that? I mean, it's been it's been really stressful for the community to like wake up every day and hear another bill uh, is is going to another house uh, floor or something. You know, I think there's been over a hundred so far just this year um, in over thirty states, I believe. And you know, if you're interested in learning more, the ACLU has a lot of information on it. Chase Strangio, who's the head of um, she's like trans rights. Um, issues and has been fighting a lot of these cases he's great to follow on twitter on instagram and and to you know get all the information um but it it really is i think it's a backlash from you know the house and the senate and the um you know the presidency being you know democratic right now the republicans they they're angry um and and trans people have been the target um you know in recent years uh and it's unfortunate because they're going to hurt and, and possibly kill trans people with these laws if they pass. Um, you know, so they're trying to ban trans healthcare and, and actually make it illegal so that they could put parent. They would make it, I think, a felony for parents to give their children gender-affirming care. Right. So uh, families in Texas are actually now looking into that, how they can move out of the state because if this passes, they could all be jailed. Um, so outrageous. So- so outrageous. Small children are having to testify and, you know, say, please don't put my parents in jail. Please don't make my health care uh, illegal. And I think, like you said, they've been trying to control women's bodies. And just like politicians should have no say in women's bodies, politicians should have no say in trans bodies, whether they're children or otherwise. You know, that should be the decision between the child, the parent, and the doctor. We Absolutely. Trust that, Absolutely. That those three people are going to be making the best informed decision and um you know studies have shown that hormone blockers that um you know hrt hormone replacement therapy saves lives you know trans people have uh, a rate of 40 percent attempt suicide at the age of 30 and part of that statistic um and it's not because we're a mental illness to be trans no it's because of the way that society treats us and the fact that we're constantly fighting just to exist um, it's exhausting to have to advocate for yourself in every aspect of life because you don't know how you're going to be received as a transgender person, especially when it's so hard to change documents and get legal things done. Yeah. And so when people transition and when they have support in their life and they have a good support system, that 40% actually drops down to the general population's rate, which is 0.06% attempt suicide. So we know that transition and that support around being trans saves lives um and so we know that and you know we've seen in the past how laws like these can 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 hurt people especially because people like uh, robert eads a trans man who was refused um care over by i believe over 20 doctors when he had ovarian cancer um because they told him they that they should make him realize he's not a real man oh my god dying or um wow wow doctor who was um uh, a trans woman who was in a car accident and the ambulance showed up, found out that she was trans and basically stopped working on her. She later died at the hospital and uh, um, the autopsy or the case, they said that there was an 86% chance she would have survived if they had given her proper care. Um, 86%? Yeah. 
That is so, horrific. So the, the reason these things happen is, be, you know, because these people didn't want to help trans people, and and the law enabled them to, because there were no laws at the time protecting them. But now, you know, just you know, Trump on his way out um, repealed uh, a, a law that said that you know you have to treat trans people, even if it goes, you know, no matter what. You know, he wanted he and he said if it's against your religion, you don't have to trans, treat trans people. So not even. For transitional, they care, but any doctor. So if I go into an ER in a different state, and there's a law like this in place, and they see me, and they see that I'm trans, they can just let me die on the operating table. You know, now now I have to even worry about leaving New York because of laws like this. So it affects, it really affects so much, and, and people don't think about it, but also affects public opinion in the way that people people see trans people, and and then they're going to go and vote for politicians that demonize trans people, and there are going to be more laws like this. So it's really important to just like educate on, on how like these laws don't really help anyone not only do they hurt trans people but they're they're hurting cisgender people too and they're just creating more barriers that are really unnecessary right right well you know thank you so much for joining us today and helping to educate humans and those that are willing to listen this is so important um not just for transgender humans but for all humans as you mentioned the sooner we recognize each other as being human the better right um we will definitely need to have you back again um, there's still more to discuss thank you so much um you know love each other be human my goodness be human um it's time for us to unite instead of remaining divided uh that is a stronghold division is a stronghold we need to come together we need to stand as one and tell these non-humans that we're not putting up with this anymore so thank you again please come back thank you I definitely will. we'd love to talk to you again so yes Thank you for joining us, and we will see you again next week. If you have any questions or uh, follow-ups to this podcast, please don't hesitate in letting us know. Thank you again.